This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Great topic for you tonight, and it's one that has plagued Lamar Jackson throughout his career, the possibility that some of the things that have not led to success in the playoffs the last three years are systemic and not just bad luck, bad occurrences of these last three years. Here to talk to me about that, Jacob Bogger. How are you doing, Jacob? Great, Ken. How are you? Uh, no complaints at all. Tell folks a little bit about uh, how we met and, and uh, where you like to talk football. You can find me on Twitter. Um, my ha- uh, not hashtag. My handle is um, at prof uh, underscore bogs. That's B O G S. And um, I just I responded to Ken's call about the uh, a twenty twenty one concerns about the Ravens. So uh, here we are. Appreciate appreciate you doing that, and uh, it's it's real easy. We we first talked what four or five days ago, and now you're we're, we're on the air. So these have a very quick turnaround for anyone else who wants to do one. Is the I think the moral of the story. I don't want to give away your show or start the point. So why don't you take us through here? You know, obviously the Ravens for three years have not won a football game. That problem, they have not won a playoff game. That problem is a lot better than not making the playoffs, which was the yeah. problem the three years before that. Right. Let's 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 talk about the possibility of these these being systemic or not the, the playoff failures. Yeah, I, I think that. Um, well, first of all, I think a lot of teams would trade. Uh, their problems for the Ravens problems. I don't think there's, there's much to complain about, about the team. Um, and I think for this conversation, we should also um, disregard the chargers loss just because it was so early in Lamar's career. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, 
Well, I mean, it, it was what it was. That It bears some similar characteristics to the other two games, I think, but we can talk about that. Sure, sure. Um, and I think that the th- uh, the three main things that have uh, have really been the problem or large facets of the problem for the playoff woes would be um, two things that we can control and one thing that we really just couldn't. The, the first thing being, you know, uh, weather. And you just can't do anything mm-hmm. about that in Buffalo sometimes. Um, yeah. But then also turnovers, drops, mistakes, that sort of thing. And then um, Greg Roman's scheme has come under a lot of fire, um, especially from a couple analysts on YouTube. I know we've talked a little bit about that, um, those two videos that came out from Kurt Warner and Alex Rollins. Um, but I guess we can go through um, those three, whichever one you'd like to do first. Or if there's any yeah, well, no, you, you choose it. Please introduce first. Okay, sure. Um, I just think it'd be, be the easiest to start with weather, um, mm-hmm. if that's Okay. Um, and it, and in Buffalo, I mean, you know, there's just nothing you can do about that with the wind, uh, mm-hmm. coming off the lake. And, um, I believe that the Ravens started, uh, with their possession going into the wind, right in the, in, in the first quarter. They were into the wind in the third quarter, the final play of the third quarter when Lamar got hurt. So I think that means they were into the wind in the first quarter too, but I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. Yeah. I mean, the wind clearly affected Lamar. Um, it wasn't his mm-hmm. best day passing. And also Tucker missed twice. So, I mean, if if that gives not a pass to Lamar, but if that kind of excuses a little bit of his his troubles passing, that I mean, I mean Justin Tucker is just a machine. So to have him also being affected, um, it was just, just insane, honestly, just watching that. Yeah, I, I think that that's actually been one of the common threads I would point to in all three games. The the the, uh, the first game uh, against Chargers was a high wind game, yeah. and it did affect Lamar in terms of some of his passing. Now Lamar was more about running the football, and the 2018 Ravens were more about relying on their defense. and And there were other things that didn't get done in that game, but the turnovers that uh, that uh, uh, plagued the Ravens in that game obviously were were a factor of it too. Lamar obviously. Very came very close to getting replaced at halftime. We'll put that aside for the moment, but uh, but I'm you know I think that was good experience for him to play that second half, and he nearly read, led the Ravens on that comeback. Yeah, and I think that um, if you're going to bench your uh, your starting player for the foreseeable future, that's a terrible you know confidence. I think it was a good coaching decision to keep him in, even though he was struggling. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, at the time I was in the stands, of course, and screaming for Flacco too. I thought that would, that was the way that the Ravens might come back in that game. But the more I thought about that, it wasn't a matter of that in the second half. Having all those defensive backs on the field, and they played seven defensive backs, something like fifty-eight out of fifty-nine defensive snaps. That would have been a nightmare for Flacco. <laughs> Flacco has a lot of trouble with with uh, you know playing against D, DB heavy packages. So I think it it ended up Lamar being on the being on the field was the right choice and. You know, it, it came back with a possession in the final minute, and it really looked like, you know, maybe this is something magical happening, but uh, it just wasn't to be. And I, I, I thought that left us after 2018 on a very high note, despite the fact that the Ravens had kind of backdoored their way into the playoffs by the Steelers flunking out down the stretch. Not not into the playoffs, because they would have been a, they probably would have made the wild card anyway. Yeah. But that but that they kind of backdoored their way in to the division championship at a home playoff game. And it wasn't, it should not have had the same level of expectation that other years home playoff games have had. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you love to see the Steelers just flunk out. <laughs> yeah, the, sure. Yeah. Um, and then those snaps as well, for, just in the Bills game too. Um, the, yeah. I think it was three errant snaps. It was clearly, I mean, it was win, but also it was, it was, it was Matt Skura at that point, right? Too. 
It was uh, McCary, I believe, who oh. made the bad snaps, and I might be wrong, but I think it was McCary in the in the um, in the in the Buffalo game. That game, I, I mean, you've talked about the wind in a couple of different ways. There, um, I, 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 that wind was horrible. But the one play where the Ravens didn't play the wind right was the last play of the third quarter yeah. when they had a chance to run out the third quarter, play the play with the wind, starting the fourth quarter on that first play. Instead, they rushed to play at the line of scrimmage. They, you know, had Lamar drop back, and of course, Lamar's season got ended on that play, yeah. and so he didn't get a chance to see what he could have done to, to help the team come back in that fourth quarter. Would have been a tough comeback certainly against Buffalo, yeah. but with the win, hey, some chance. Yeah. Do you think that was a coaching decision or do you think that they just didn't even realize it was just like a, like a mental error on the coaching staff's part or? Uh, it's a bad quality control decision. So there should have been somebody on the headset loop who should have said, hey, he can let the third quarter run out. You'll be with the win. There should have been someone doing that. Uh, you know, they got game management guys who are on there trying to figure out probabilities for various things. That That kind of person should have been you know, uh, on target with that. And it was a, yeah. it was a miss. You know, I, I want to go back to weather one more time, because I think in the Tennessee game, which was the worst of the three losses by far, uh, you know, after the 14 and two season, um, we walked up to the stadium that day and that wind was howling, you know, as we're walking through the buildings downtown, I mean, you really notice it and you say, shit, you know, this is, this is a game where Lamar's going to have trouble throwing the football because it's, it's so windy. And sure enough, that first interception in particular was wind affected. And then of course it got tipped and, uh, and Bayard, I guess, Bayard, I think was the one who made the interception on the, on the first playoff Andrews. Uh, that was really the beginning of the end. Yeah. That game stung, I think a little bit more than the bills did for me. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about it, but sure. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we kind of saw the same thing in New England as well. It wasn't a playoff game, but we also struggled with the rain, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was 2019, I believe. Um, and it was just, I mean, just, it, everything just kind of went wrong, too. I mean, even uh, Sam Cook in the Bills game, his kick only went for 37 yards, that one that one play. And mm-hmm. it's just there's just no way to, you know, like when all your things are affected by you know, the wind, you're kind of just playing with fire there. Or with wind. Buffalo, very good at adapting to the wind. It's surprising to me. They didn't throw the ball all that well in the game, which the Ravens shut them down defensively. They really did the job. But um, it's very strange to me that Josh Allen had three receivers, I think, with over a 75% catch rate. Yeah. That's very hard to do when you're playing half your games in a, you know, in a windy, very windy condition. So Josh Allen, for all the things, there seems to be this rivalry between Buffalo and Baltimore fans about who has got the better quarterback. Uh, that seems kind of silly to me, frankly, but that's one thing you got to admit about Josh Allen is he's pretty accurate quarterback for the conditions he plays in. Yeah. I mean, and it's crazy how just as, as I guess as a tangent, how he, he fixed that accuracy. Cause a lot of the time you see guys yes. come out of college and they just like, they have what they have. And so, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the Bills didn't even run that well in that game either. They only, um, they only ran for like thirty some yards. Can't remember. I'd have to go back to the game book to really see, and I'm going to do that while we while we have this because it's a nice thing to have up. But uh, I don't remember exactly how many yards they ran for. I know the defense did a very good job, and and uh, it was a you know a, nothing to be to be unproud of from a defensive standpoint. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you exactly how many yards. Not for the next four seconds until I get this. Yeah, they they ran for uh, thirty two yards on sixteen carries, yeah. so they definitely got the job done. Yeah. That's... All right. So besides weather, so we've we've, we've covered weather. Yeah. Uh, what else would you like to talk about in terms of systemic failure? Um, and we can go th- like through like the turnovers, like the mistakes that we've done. I think or 
have that happened is um is a nice place to go next um just because um i think against the titans that first year we had six or seven it was seven drops um which is i think that's partially on on lamar on the receivers and again on the weather that's that's still effective but i mean i'm not sure you said you were at that game um did those drops look i'm trying to uh, to think back did it look like they were affected by the wind or is that more like other okay there was a there's a drop by Snead that looked like it, it, it could have been good news that that was not um, yeah. that that was not weather affected in my impact, in my uh, opinion. I did think that the first interception that, that, you know, was tipped by Andrews was a weather related. The Ravens missed four fourth and one plays in that game. And they were a sorry, four fourth down plays, including two fourth and ones. One of them was on a very indecisive block uh, that I thought was was the primary cause and something that you really see. Uh, you know, another one, um, it's, it's you, missing four fourth downs like that. That's, you don't want to have that happen against a team you're better than. Right. So you, if the ideal thing mathematically is to play as many, um, low leverage downs, it's the same theory as playing small pot poker. When you're better than the other player, you want to play a lot of small pots. You want to basically grind them to death instead of always trying to force them all in and hope you win kind of thing with it, with a little bit better hand. You want to, you want to have fewer high variance hands. So that's what was, what happened to the Ravens in that game was a lot of those plays, you know, you, you can you could point to about six or seven high variance plays that lost that football game for them. And it's not just luck. It's you got to avoid putting yourselves in those positions yeah. uh, to start with. Do you think, I mean, you've been at training camp um, and with our, our new, I guess, I think he's the pass game coordinator is Keith Williams and mm-hmm. the T Martins, the receivers coach. Um, have you noticed an increase uh, focus on, on, on catching and securing the football or um, I know you can't give away too much from those. I, no, I mean, I, th- there's nothing about this that they would, they would tell me not to do. Um, both are very technical coaches um, that do different things. So uh, Keith Williams is a receiving coach. So he, he stands usually at the top of the route and he's very specific in terms of instructions about footwork. They do a lot of stop-start drills to try and make sure you know people can stop on a dime and and, and restart. And a lot of that is is in, in teaching them to do stop-and-go patterns or other route running tricks. Nothing is. It's like no rep is perfect. It always seems to me. Always, you know, we, once the guy to put his foot back in the ground and beat the other guy, beat the defensive back out of it by five yards even when they're not playing with the defensive back so he's you know it's it's often him who's you know you know playing the role of the defensive back and he wants to see him the receiver stick his foot in the ground and take that appropriate route um that they're asking for he's he's extremely technical um you know you really and he's right in the player's face i don't know how you can not get that from a lot of the same is true of joe d joe d is not a high volume rep guy Keith Martin is a high, I'm sorry, Keith Williams is a high volume rep guy because he's watching every single one, one at a time. And then he's got something to say about every single one, it seems. So yeah, yeah I, 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 I like that. Uh, T Martin, uh, he works more when the release of the, of the receivers from the line of scrimmage, and he's trying to get the quarterback and the receiver on the same page, I think is why it was brought here. There may be other reasons why yeah. other sub roles that they may have, but that's the way I kind of see it. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's encouraging, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, back to the the turnovers. Um, it drops whatever. Sure. Um, 
that's all I had f- for the Titans. I think there was there, there was one interception in that game as well. And it, I, I think um, I can't remember with the box score, but um, I noticed a lot of people after that game they wanted to kind of lay the playoff loss on Lamar, um, which was just ridiculous in my opinion because he was he threw for like 360 yards and had 150 rushing yards. Like I don't really think that that was really fair to him uh, to have to answer for that that total loss. Um, I, I didn't think he had a good game despite the 143 yards rushing. So he did, he rushed 20 times for 143, but they kind of got themselves in a position where they couldn't run with their running backs. They only had nine carries, by the way, from the running backs in that game, so three by Edwards and six by Ingram. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like that was wholly ineffective, but they, but Jackson's running was most of the offense. And, and also they ran more offensive plays in that game than they ever had otherwise is my recollection i'm seeing 88 here now the sacks also makes it 92 that's the that's the number one number all time so despite that you know they were on the field a lot offensively but they also didn't generate a lot of expected points added per play while they were out there um and then a lot of their drives of course look like super bowl three in terms of driving down the field and then and then getting beat on fourth down or getting beat by a turnover yeah it's just that's just it was insane to watch honestly it was very frustrating um i'm sure you felt the same way that's all i had for the titans um turnovers drops that sort of thing with the bills i had that lamar stared down andrews with a pit of the pick six hundred and Mm-hmm. One yard pick six, and he he had a clean pocket at that point, did he not? I um, no, and actually, I think the block got broken on the right side. So there was a question of whether or not, and who was over there. Tyree Phillips in the playoffs was over there, and so was J.K. Dobbins. And neither of those guys blocked the the edge rush on that side, who I think was Hughes. Hughes came up and and was in Lamar's face as the ball was thrown. If you had a little more time, I think that Andrews was going to create more space to the outside. It was going to be a much easier pitch and catch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, of course, it ended very badly, and uh, it still would have been wind. You know, you would have you would have been concerned about it, but it would have created a better opportunity for Andrews to to make space certainly. Yeah. And then I had Dobbins dropping a pass, and then the three bunch mm-hmm. snaps were just just awful. We had one on the ground, two errant, and one of the errant ones were was a result of uh, resulted in Lamar's concussion, which is I mean that's that's the game. Yeah. So yeah, that was the game. Yeah, that was it was horrible. I mean, I think that the Ravens have done a lot of their offseason has been built around trying to fix the snap issues. And they they did they actually done several things in that regard, which is, is kind of interesting. I think they've they went out and they got um, Zeitler and Zeitler will be able to handle the line calls when they're not in no huddle. And, uh, you know, Pat the fanny. And I think we'll, we'll see things like that going on or he's. He's handling those, uh, uh, you know, the pre-snap stuff. And that'll allow uh, Bozeman to snap the football with that being his primary concern. And Bozeman has been a get-off-the-ball-quickly guy. Would you be at all concerned that doing that might cause some errancy to his snaps, if that's a word? I I think errancy is a word. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it it just depends if it's – I mean, so I coach uh, track and field. I coach sprints for the – a local university and um you know you can't rush um speed i guess you have to be relaxed so if he's coming mm-hmm. off that and i'm not a football coach so i don't know but if he's if he's if he's trying to hurry up and snap that ball and he's not he's not performing the motion smoothly and naturally that would be concerning to me because you're trying to run out of blocks 
um, like in your 100 meter sprinter and you're trying to run fast and you're not relaxed, you're going to trip over yourself and face plan and everyone's going to laugh. At you. So huh. um, just from my experience, if, if they're telling him to be relaxed and he's, and he's, he's executing the motion smoothly and still, and still being able to come up, then I, I wouldn't be concerned about it. But again, I'm not there watching at training camp and I don't have a very good eye on the, uh, on the line uh, during the preseason. So I don't know. How about you? That's extremely relevant information. I, I'm fascinated to hear this. So the, the uh, okay. So the fluidity of motion that goes with snapping the football and then getting up out of his stance, it ought to be something since supposedly the move of the football is what you look for in part, but in truth in, in football, they also have a cadence and the, the linemen also are trying to work off that in order to get off at the snap or even cheat it by sometimes uh, as much as maybe a tenth of a second uh, to try and, and, and get a little bit ahead. If you get it, if you, if you beat the, usually my rule is if you beat the snap by two clicks, you're usually called for it. Yeah. Two clicks is 0.07 seconds. That's it's two thirtieths of a second on your DVR. Okay. So if you, if you, uh, usually you're caught by that. They had, they had one for, or a few years ago where he beat it by seven clicks and wasn't caused by it. And the Pittsburgh fans went just nuts over it. But uh, you know, it, it, you're always trying to play that game of how close can I get it? And your center has to be on in terms of making that snap on time and then knowing what his first step is at the same time. So I think that's a little bit, I don't know if you heard this. Bradley Bozeman, his you know the very first day of camp, or maybe it was the second, had two errant snaps. Yeah, and really is the kind of thing that that you know had people worried. I think he's maybe had one or two in all the days since. So it's been uh, he's he's been very smooth. He's looked good out there. Yeah, he, I think he ripped his glove off. Right? Was <laughs> that? Yeah. Um, he's pissed off. Yeah. Is that concerning to you at all? Again, I'm I'm not a lineman. I you know I'm not built like that. So. Um, do they usually wear gloves? Is that something that could potentially come back and bite him if he's not wearing a glove in like a wet game or something like that? Uh, I, I, you know, I always think of linemen as wearing gloves. You, you want to protect your fingers for starters. Uh, so I always think of that. Um, you know, Matt Skura was a big tape guy, so I, I'm not sure he always wore gloves. But uh, uh, you know, it's it's you, 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 it takes a very complex tape job to actually you know protect your fingers a little bit. From the 2000 win over the Tennessee Titans, we were at the game. Edwin Mulatalo came over the stands afterwards and gave me his blocking gloves. Still one of the coolest days of football-related activities that awesome. in my life. And Edwin Mulatalo's blocking glove was, was, was part of the cool part. And it, it, the glove itself, if you go to the back of it, has all this protective padding on each of the uh, you know the the, uh, the 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 what do you call it segments of the fingers? They're not the the, the, the like to cover the, each of the three bones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you you really notice that about the about the gloves. So it's made to very much protect you. I can't imagine a center playing football without having at least on his non snapping hand for sure uh, having a glove. But even on a snapping hand, I would think you would want it because I mean, those are your life right there. You 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 yeah. can't have anything go wrong with that. And I think Skura didn't he have a cut on his hand or something? He was bloody for. Yeah. A couple of snaps. Yeah, that'll do mm-hmm. it, I guess. Um, yeah. And I guess, is Bozeman just, just not wearing gloves now, or did he just get a new pair? I No, I, th- I think it was probably a new pair. I, I, okay. I We'll see, but I think I think Bradley Bozeman wears a glove normally, and, and, and we'll see 
how that shakes out as the season goes on. But uh, I, I, you know, again, I'd be shocked if, if there's a center out there who really doesn't want the protection. Maybe there still are, maybe there's some old timer guys. Seems to me like a, like a hockey player, not wearing a helmet to do that. Yeah. Seems not too smart of them. Um, but I mean, just watching him in the preseason uh, Bozeman, he, he didn't really do anything that really caught my attention, which I think is what you want from a center, I guess. I, I thought he was very good in the last game uh, for, for what it's worth. And uh, maybe we ought to haul back the topic a little bit to, yeah, you know, sure, the, sure. The, the concerns about the playoff uh, stuff. But I, I, you know, personally, I think Bozeman's going to be very good this year. I think in this new role, it actually um, minimizes some of the shortcomings he has. Uh, it will be a loss for the Ravens not to have his pulling ability, but they might have more power at left guard. And I think he's the kind of player who brings a lot more than the normal level of power to center. And he has that mobility to move to level two. They're really going to like. So I hope that, that, uh, that he's going to, he's going to provide a lot to the Ravens there. Sure. Should we get back to scheme, which is the last by all means. All right, cool. Um, both of these uh, videos that i had watched and had mentioned earlier kind of really put Greg Roman at fault for most of the the issues in the passing game. Um, and I don't think that firing Greg Roman is a valid or even a solution that we should even consider because what he's done for the team, it's just his, his run scheme is too good. Um, and it's, it just would like, you don't fire your offensive coordinator when you've led the league in points two years in a row you know um it's just funny that when we were in the flacco era and we had uh marty morningweg and the guy before him everyone was like trestman yeah mark trestman they like he would abandon the run and then now like with roman we have this great run scheme and people are like why don't you pass more so it's just like the the fans are never happy um that's i I, I think you're right about that. And I, I honestly, it's, it's just not as exciting to some fans or they'll say, this isn't the way, you know, football was meant to be won today. This is a quarterback league. This is a passing league first. You got to pass. Well, you know, the Ravens have proved the last two years. Not only have they led the NFL in points over the last two years, they've also led in points per drive by an even wider margin. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you limit opponent opportunities, but I shouldn't even have to say this. This is obvious. I think everyone there that, that you know, you, you limit opponent opportunities by having, letting them have less drives. So by having less drives yourself too. Yeah. I'd rather score on an eight minute drive than have to score again two minutes after I just scored. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the big knock on Roman is that he doesn't, according to these videos, that he doesn't actually change his scheme up when he's behind and um that his passing concepts don't make all that much sense i don't think that we should should really get into the nitty-gritty of his of of routes because i'm i'm still shaky on that and i'm sure that Mm -hmm. a lot of your listeners would be bored by that um but he actually i was listening to a podcast it might have been a film study or it was uh kevin ostriker's uh podcast um where the ravens actually did change their personnel group when they played the Titans, they played out of what I think the guy was calling 20 personnel when Ricard was on the field as a running back. Okay. No tight end, three wide receivers. That would be like two running backs, no tight end one. Okay. And then, um, but the Ravens just didn't execute. They were, um, I think that they're, Uh, there's too much silence here. Sorry. Um, okay. I think that they're, um, 
they ran six plays from that and we had like eight yards um okay this so is this is against the titans or against the or against okay now i it's been two years now so i'm i'm, yeah. I'm kind of forgetting the exact uh you know share of various schemes that they ran various packages that they ran that day but I, i'll say this whenever weather impacts the game and it was the least impact from weather in the titans game the most from the buffalo game and, the, and that san diego game was in between yeah the more influence you have from weather, the more it reduces Roman's ability to attack every area on the field. They already don't do that great a job of it, particularly getting the ball outside the numbers. So I think yeah. if you want to blame that, that's that's reasonable. But then when other teams know you really can't do it because you don't want to put the ball up outside the numbers when it's windy and you have a better chance for an interception and better chance of things for things to just generally go wrong, um, then it, it, it makes even less sense. Um, yeah. you're off, oftentimes also uh, teams are going to take chances and, and uh, stuff the line of scrimmage when you have bad weather against Lamar. And if you look back to the 2019 season, he was terrific under those circumstances. It, it won all those games during the regular season in poor weather at Buffalo during the regular season against San Francisco in the rain at Seattle on the fourth and two play, all of that. But, but, you know, and those are good teams. And, and then, you know, they, they've lost three other games that happen to be in the playoffs in some lousy weather. And all of a sudden, you know, three is the biggest trend that ever was. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think we, I don't think he gets out of this until he wins a game. Yeah. But I also think it's, it's kind of, overstated exactly how awful this situation is. Yeah. I mean, like we said before, it's a historic offense. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, our receivers, we did rank last in, um, in yards, but that's kind of also a byproduct of the fact that we bled the league in rushing for two years in a row. And beat the crap out of a bunch of teams such that, you know, you're not throwing the ball at the end of games. If, if you, anybody who plays fantasy, this came out today is, is, is really knows that um, if, if, if you want to get the best scoring players, go for receivers and quarterbacks on bad teams. Yeah. You know, go, go get Matt Ryan, go get Julio Jones. The Falcons suck and they're always going to be trailing and they're, you know, you're going to be throwing the ball to try and try and make up ground Right. Uh, with the Ravens. That's just not going to be happening. And they love to, control the ball for the last six minutes of each half if they can. Yeah, just just have uh, Gus Edwards rank up, up 80 yards in the fourth quarter and yeah, you're done. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the Titans, they did do a lot of cover zero, I think. And I, th- I think part of that was that we just didn't really execute in that game because they didn't really respect our receivers. And I don't think that our receivers kind of rose to that challenge at that point. Right. Um, I know I can't remember if it was that game or the, or the Marquise or or the Bills game, but Marquise Brown played out of his mind. I think it was the Titans. I'm not Tit- sure. Titans was Marquise Brown made the great catch down the right sideline with one hand. Yeah, um, that that was so he he did have a good game. I could go back and see what he did in that game too. I mean they they threw the ball so much, but he caught seven of eleven for one twenty six in that game. So that's a that's excellent. Any way yeah. you cut it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think with that game also, I mean. Uh, Tannehill only threw for 14 pass att- attempts and Henry had 30 carries and we just couldn't stop Derrick Henry. So, I mean, it was, I mean, I'd get out of the way if, if Derrick Henry was running at me. So, uh, <laughs> um, and yeah. then with the bills, I mean, we just, it was the same thing. We only had 15 yards when we had, uh, uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, we had, when the bills put six rushers on the field, we only had 15 total yards. Um, 
of offense um, with those plays. So um, that's I think that's a similar thing. Uh, with Is that the- being rushed the quarterback with six or or um, put put I, I it it probably means rushed with six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so I mean, it it just it's it seems like the scheme that other teams. Uh, force the Ravens to kind of deal with is 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 stacking the box and having the receivers play one on one against their quarterbacks, um, and we just haven't been able to really figure that out. And part of that's the weather, I think. Um, also, watching some of those videos, um, and it's easy to cherry pick uh, certain plays and say, "See, it's terrible." But I, I I did see a lot of of of, of route concepts where it just didn't look like the plays were drawn up in a way that would put Lamar in success. Like we had guys coming up and all at the same time. We didn't have someone taking the top off the defense or if there was mm-hmm. somebody, he wasn't in sync with the quarterback. So um, I'm hoping that uh, T Martin and Keith Williams can kind of work on that. I think that's exactly why they were brought to Baltimore. So, um, but to echo what you said, I, I, I think Roman's scheme um, woes, is a little bit overstated by, mm-hmm. um, by analysts. And it just seems that the Ravens seem to just catch flack offensively, um, more than other teams do. And I'm not really sure right. why that is, but It'll, they've got an interesting test coming up in the very first week of the season. Cause they're, they are favorites, favorites against uh, Las Vegas, but it's an indoor game. Mm-hmm. And so there's weather will not be a concern. I think it, it's definitely an opportunity for the Ravens additional speed to burn the Raiders um, in this game. So we'll see if that, if that really plays out, but it's definitely a game where without the same kind of turnover risk that they've had at other times, particularly in the playoffs, they'll have an opportunity to, to threaten every blade of turf on that, on that field. Sure. Sure. All right. Jacob, been a pleasure having you on here. This is a, this is a good discussion. I appreciate you you coming on to do it. You're welcome anytime, of course, to come again. Uh, Tell folks one more time where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, The handle is at prof, P-R-O-F underscore Boggs, B-O-G-S. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ken, Uh, I just want to thank you. I love the show. I'm, 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 I'm so happy to be on here. So Um, thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming on and we'll talk to you next time on film study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.